What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode eight of What's the Alternative podcast. Uh, we have another special guest in the building, one of my mentors, my old AAU coach, a uh, great guy. He runs a big time company, which we'll dive into later. Um, Rick Lewis. What's up, man? Welcome. And um, thank you, Jeremy. Good to see you. Good to see you. So, man, tell the people a little bit about yourself that they may not know um, outside of Phenom, your, your, your upbringing and, you know, how you got in the basketball realm and um, kind of going to your sons and, um, and them playing at the collegiate level. Well, um, I was a basketball junkie growing up, but I was never good enough to play at the collegiate level. I was fairly good in high school, but, um, you know, when I got married uh, to my wife, Margaret, um, her sister was very good at basketball. She was all state and won the state championship at North Idol. And um, our daughter, Bridget, you know, got involved in basketball. And actually, um, back in 1986, I started coaching her um, in AAU. And we had a couple of um, two or three years we won the state championship. And she was an all-state player in high school at Statesville High School. And she went on to play briefly at the collegiate level. But it wasn't for her. And, um, and after that, you know, we had Colby, who he was born in 1990. And um, – and then Tyler in 1993. And um, as they were growing up, they were all involved in different sports, but they really um, catered toward playing basketball. So I sort of got involved with the AAU with both Colby and Tyler at an early age. Gotcha. Gotcha. So let's talk, let's dive right into Phenom and how the company came about. I know when I was coming up, uh, Dave Tellup had a pretty strong hold on a lot of things with his uh, scout.com. And- right. Um, the Carolina Challenge, which was huge for us every year, but now you turn it into uh, a monster, man, of a company. And I know a lot of people don't see the back end side of it and how hard it is to get to where you're going. So talk a little bit about the birth of Phenom and kind of the things from a business side that you had to go through that people may not know. Well, it was actually by accident that I got into the, the scouting business, but it all started in 2003 when Tyler was playing for the Carolina flight at nine and under. And at that point in time, um, I went out to California uh, to the national phenom camp. And at that point in time, you know, they had middle school kids going. So we went and um, one thing led to another. And I had an opportunity to basically purchase the franchise of the junior phenom camp uh, right. at that point in time. Well, I saw it as an opportunity um, to be a fundraiser, to do these exposure camps, to raise money, to help finance the Carolina flight. And as you well know, when you played for me, um, on the Carolina flight, you know, we didn't request anybody to pay any entry fees. Um, what we did is, you know, when we went into the season, you know, we paid for your travel, we paid for your hotels, you know, we paid for your meals and we used that money, but basically to finance the Carolina flight. So that was sort of the, how I got into it. It was just basically just to provide a mechanism for money as far as a fundraiser for the Carolina flight. Now what happened in 2009, after 30 years in the textile business, I woke up one morning and found out I didn't have a job anymore. So I'm in my fifties figuring out what am I going to do with my life? Right. And at that point in time, Tyler, I'll be right there coach. Cause I I'm a, I'm big on entrepreneurship and, uh, leading our guys into, or the youth rather, into knowing that they can be something else um, other than 
the standard nine to five. Now, there's nothing wrong with it as long as it's in your passion, but uh, you would have never saw that coming. And no. I don't know if you ever think like for me, it's just like if I knew more about entrepreneurship growing up, I'm sure for you, it's like, OK, well, Ag, if I would have started Phenom at 21, <laughs> where would it be by now? Mm -hmm. You know, just things like that. But just wanted to kind of throw that point out there. Well, I'm a firm, firm believer that, you know, when God closes one door, he opens yeah. another. And in 2009, um, Tyler was, um, you know, getting into the high school um, and he had a good reputation. He was being recruited. And I had a few college coaches after I lost my job. And they said, Rick, why don't you just start up doing your own scouting service? He goes, you're going to be covering all of Tyler's games and going to all the events. You know, we can get information. We'll purchase it and I'll get some other friends to do it. So one thing led to another. Uh, and I had to say I had to sort of piggyback off Tyler's success a little bit. Right. And I also had Colby playing at the um, high school level. And he was being recruited um, as well. So I saw this as an opportunity to start the scouting part of the business. And that's basically how I've had it. We had Phenon Hoop Report in 2009 as a scouting service. In addition, I was hosting camps. So um, I was doing the evaluation camps. They helped me with my scouting service. I was going to all these different events. And one thing led to another between 2009 and 2020. Um, we started getting into travel ball hosting events right. at the AU level. And we started doing scholastic events for high school teams. So one thing led to another and it's just grown very slowly from 2009 to 2021. And I'm going to be honest with you, Jeremy, it wasn't easy. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't. You know, like a lot of people don't understand when you start a new business, um, you have to have some money and capital behind you. I had no money or capital, so I had to take some of my savings that I had and also my retirement. I actually borrowed from my retirement, my 401k oh, yeah. from the textile company I was with for 30 years to get started. And a lot of that also had to live off of that because I didn't have any money coming in. I mean, you know, it takes years to build up equity, you know, sweat equity to, 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 to put it into financial rewards coming in. It doesn't happen overnight. And, and I'm sure you feel yeah, the same way. Definitely experienced that from the, from the entrepreneur standpoint, but everybody thinks it's, you know, roses from the outside because all right, you never show that, but I mean, every entrepreneur goes through that. And I think the ones um, that end up being successful are the ones who never give up and always challenge themselves to find different ways. Um, Cause it, it gets tough to a point where you're just like, eh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. You know what I mean? But you, you see the finish line, you see that light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. And there's a lot of days that you sit there and go, you know, where's the next paycheck coming in to pay the bills? <laughs> and that's the toughest thing. And there was a lot of, a lot of those days, I'm um, just trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And, you know, fortunately for me, I was able to uh, be in a textile business for 30 years, a company, I had enough money saved up in my 401k. I was able to, you know, borrow from that, get the business started. Right. Uh, but it was a very slow process. Um, it was tough. It's not an easy one. Right. Um, it was a lot. You have to have a lot of faith um, right. to make sure it's what. And also for me, you know, I'm in my 50s. I'm sitting there going, what else am I going to do with my life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I want to dive right into the scouting as far as helping the kids. Um, what are you seeing 
I feel like personally, there's been a uh, difference in generations as far as basketball. Um, from when we came up to now, obviously social media has played a huge part in that because these kids are rock stars now because they have followers and mixtapes and everything. What is your opinion on how a kid needs to be able to manage his social media um, and personality um, on and off the court? Well, the social media can be a blessing and it can be a curse at the same time. Um, as you said, when you were coming through, we didn't have all the social media. Um, you went out and played and, you know, you had to rely. Basically, you didn't have mixtapes back then either. Um, you had to go out and perform. And we played in events and we had to play in the events. And we had to do really well to right. attract college coaches to come watch you play. Right. And then as a player, you know, you had all this pressure because here you are playing in a live period. And, you know, we used to go down to um, Disney at the Milk House and play in the AAU Nationals. And, you know, you would have 30, 40 coaches. All the pressure is on you as an individual player because that's the only opportunity for players like you at that point in time to, to get seen and get offered. Right. Now, nowadays, kids, there's so much of a social media presence. Um, you know, everybody has their own mixtape. Um you know, so there's other avenues. Um, games are being live streamed today. Right. Um, so it's a little bit easier for players today. But at the same right. token, I think a lot of young players have to be careful on how they use social media. Um, I tell players all the time at camps, if you're going to be on social media and, you know, your name is Jeremy Jeffers, you know, use that as your hashtag. Make it easy for college coaches to follow you. Right. Um, don't put up some fancy, like I got game or whatever hashtag for your, you know, social media name. Um, and the other thing too, is a lot of young players have to understand that when they have their social media, whether it's on Instagram or on social media, such as Twitter, that is their resume to a lot of college coaches. So you have to be very careful as a player on what you put out on social media. Um, you, you can't use, you know, um, profanity. Right. You got to be very careful. You have to be very positive. You can't be on there on social media, um, you know, making tweets that you're going to have to regret later because right. college coaches do pay attention to that and they will unfollow a kid or not recruit a kid because of social media posts that probably is not up to their standard. I got you. So that's a very valid point because I mean, I see a lot of kids now. I mean, they just, a lot of profanity and, and uh, just even like song choices for the mixtape. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, there's just so many. You're a walking brand now. Like you said, it's a Good lot question. easier now. So um, diving right into, um, let's talk about from the development of a player. So now obviously there's more trainers and more access to these for these kids to get better. Um, but I feel like the game has changed because mm -hmm. college coaches are recruiting year by year now. It's not like in two years or three years, I know I'm gonna lose a guard because now some of the kids aren't even going to college. You know, they're skipping college. So like, they're only really recruiting junior, senior year. Is that is that right. correct? So, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, you, you remember like when you were coming up, you would get some interest in, you know, when you were a, a sophomore, a junior, 
Right. Um, and, and back at that time, a lot of the college coaches, it seemed like there was more stability with college coaches. So, and also not only stability with college coaches, it was more stability as far as transfers. Right. And, you know, when college coaches recruited, they could recruit one, two, three years out. Right. Well, that's completely changed with the transfer portal. And, and now, you know, you know, with a lot of the young players, they have the opportunity if they pass the NCAA legislation about allowing players to transfer without sitting out. Right. So it, it creates an atmosphere with college coaches. They have to recruit their own players all over again. Right. So now college coaches are basically only recruiting for the most part rising seniors. So if you're a rising senior for the class of 2022, you're going to have a lot of college coaches probably come watch you if there's a live period. Right. You're not seeing college coaches watching a lot of the freshmen, sophomores, or rising juniors. Right. Um, you know, I'll give you a good example. I never will forget when I first started doing the live event periods. And we did an event at one location. I put the top 17 teams at one location, the top 16s and the top 15s. And when the 17s were playing, it was packed. Mm -hmm. When the 16s were playing, it was about half the coaches that were in the um, in the gym. Mm -hmm. When the 15s played, there was no coaches. And they were outside making phone calls. And I had a few college coaches come up to me and said, Rick, um, I understand what you're doing, but you're wasting our time. He goes, we're here to recruit the rising seniors. Oh, wow. I can't be concerned with juniors and sophomores because I don't know if I'm going to have a job two and three years from now. Right. Right. So what advice do you have for those kids? Because I feel like the pressure on these kids nowadays is, oh, I got to get an offer. I got to get an offer. I mean, from eighth grade to ninth grade. And I feel like part of that, I'm not saying every coach, but coaches, trainers, parents, all kind of feed into that if you're not being – real with some of these athletes but what's your advice to the, that kid in the ninth grade or tenth grade is so worried about that offer well there's no offer that's going to be made to a ninth or tenth grader that anyone's going to really commit to so most of those offers were not committable offers right um you know a lot of it is you know it could be a situation where you may be a coach at a higher level school and you're an assistant coach you may offer a kid based on you know, I'm going to get to know him, develop a relationship in case down the road I get another job. Okay. Um, he might be a kid that I can recruit. There's a lot of different variables that go into it. But young players, parents, trainers need to stop worrying about the offers in the ninth, tenth grade, even, even in some part, even until they get into be a junior. Mm -hmm. uh, I think for the most part, um, college coaches are interested in their incoming class, that's their priority. So as a young player, you need to develop a number of things. First of all, you got to get your academics in order. Number one, you got to get your academics in order. The higher academics you have, the better chance you get to be recruited. Number two, um, college coaches naturally like kids who are long and athletic. They want kids that have an overall skill set. Number two, number three, a lot of college coaches are coming to me and asking, like asking about certain kids. Never during the process, Jeremy, does a college coach come up and go, how many points did Jeremy Jeffers average in high school? Right. They don't do that. Right. They'll ask the simple questions. What kind of kid is he? What kind of grades does he have? 
Right. What's his work ethic like? Um, can he defend? Right. And as you know, well know, that is the biggest thing that kids have to understand. All these kids are working on their offensive game. Mm. Very few kids are working on their lateral quickness to right. become a better defender. Right. If you can play at the collegiate level and you're very good offensively, if you won't play in time, learn how to defend because college coaches are always going to ask, who can you defend? So that, that performance training is, is key. We try to uh, push it here at our facility with my partner, Darian, who does that. But um, I mean, I, there's only so much you can, you can keep telling people, but until, until they do it, it it's really kind of hard for them to comprehend how important it is, the body, the movement, um, like you said, speed, lateral quickness, strength. It's very, very important to being on the court. Offense, it'll come if you can do the other stuff. So, Well, you know, Jeremy, the thing is, like, everybody spends 95% on what? Ball handling and shooting. Yeah. And when you get to the collegiate level, you have to learn how to do more with less. Right. So you have to do and create shots with one, two, th less than three dribbles. Thank you. And the thing that you have to work on as a player is you have to get bigger, stronger, faster. Right. I mean, so, you know, instead of spending all this time doing ball handling drills, young players need to spend time in either the weight room, Vertimax, working on, like I said, explosiveness, how to get quicker laterally, how to defend better. Um, those are the things that they need to really work on. If they have the size, the length, the athleticism, and they have a good skill set, um, they need to work on the other factors that will get them playing time at the collegiate level. And that's learning how to become a better defender. And like you just said, like, and I've, I've seen a drop off in basketball in general, just the, the way it's been from when we played to now, I feel like, and I don't know, you're around it a lot more. Mm -hmm. So like, I just don't see a lot of kids who understand the game anymore. It's just more so, you know, coaches and trainers or trainers are working on, between the leg, James Harden stuff, which is not realistic because James Harden is a different type of animal because he works on it every day. But, you know, AAU is just like, if I got five All-Stars, they're just out there playing. And it hurts them trying to get recruited and play on the collegiate level because, like you said, the floor is shrinking in college. So if you can't, you can't come off of that curl ball screen and don't know your reads coming off of that, it doesn't help you. So I see a lot of the, I think I see a lot of kids who will get highly recruited or make it and then wonder why they're not playing or sitting on the bench and transferring because they don't understand the game of basketball. Great point. And the other thing too, Jeremy, is a lot of these young players, they, they, they're worried about the scoring part and they think the more points they score is going to earn them quicker playing time. But as you well know, when you go to the collegiate level and you, you went through it when, you know, when y'all had to study film on your, your next opponent, right. You know, it's, you know, down, down pins and, yeah. you know, screen away, coming off curls or doing a fade. It, it's really, you got to have a good feel for the game. Right. But also, if you want to get playing time, you have to learn the plays and the sets at the collegiate level. Right. So what happens is a lot of these young players, they just play freelance mm -hmm. during the summer. They don't have that structure. Right. So when they get to the collegiate level, guess what? Right. 
How many times were you able to freelance when you played at the collegiate level? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. You know, you were going to do this and that, coming off the screen, catch and shoot. Right. Um, you didn't get a chance to put the ball between your legs and behind your back and do a right. step. Right. Uh, and, of course, the guys that are defending you are equally long and athletic. So, guess right. what? You got to learn how to catch and shoot or catch, shoot, shot, fake, one dribble, pull up. Right. You have to do more with less. Right. Gotcha. So <clears throat> one of my last talking points I want to talk about, obviously, the podcast is called What's the Alternative? So I want you to kind of expound on um, a lot of the athletes. So you see a lot of AU teams, a lot of kids. Every kid's not going to play in college. No. You know, let's just be real. So, like, what advice do you have for players to start finding their other passion? And what advice do you have for parents who may be pushing that kid too hard and not being honest with them about the next level. I see a lot of kids just get to senior year and they're totally lost and they're totally like trying to figure out, you know, they'll rather go play D D three basketball at a school and walk on versus going to a state school and playing intramurals and enjoying their college experience. Well, there's probably only, out of all the high school seniors that played basketball, okay, 97% of them will not play college basketball. Okay. You're only talking about maybe three or 4% that play high school basketball that will get a chance to play at the collegiate level. And that's counting division one schools, which is 330. You right. have division two, division three, NAIA. Some kids can go JUCO. There's a lot of different avenues that young players can go to to play at the next level. The most important thing for a lot of young players is to educate themselves and the parents need to educate themselves on the different levels. You know, D1 or bus mentality, they have to overcome that because if you look at the landscape today, there's a lot of schools at the D2 level. Um, just in North Carolina, you got a, a slew of D2 schools that are really, really good. You, you know, you got Queens, you got UNC Pembroke, right. you got Catawba. Um, in Tennessee, you got Lincoln Memorial. You got a host of schools that can go out and play. And just recently, Queens beat a Division One school right. um, at the beginning of the season. And Catawba just played Wake Forest last week and almost beat them. So the level of play at the Division Two level, in a lot of situations, Jeremy, is just as good as lower tier Division One. Right. So you know they. I think people have to be honest with themselves about what level they can play at. Um, the opportunity to play at the collegiate level, if you can play at any of those levels, D1, D2, D3, NAIA, JUCO, you ought to be considered yourself very lucky and very fortunate because not many people have that opportunity. Right. Second all, you know, I tell parents that throughout the process, you know, you've got to focus on the academics. And I'm going to use this as an example. If, if I'm a college coach, and I have player A who is 6'3 and has a 4.0 GPA. And I'm recruiting another kid, player B, who's 6'3. They're equal athleticism, equal skill set, but player B has a 2.0 GPO, GPA. Mm. Now, as a college coach, which kid would you recruit, A or B? Absolutely. So I think, you know, parents have to also invest as much time and money toward the academic side mm -hmm. they got to make sure that your academics in order 
because there's a lot of young players out there that did everything else. They have the athleticism, they have the skill, they've done the training, but one component they missed out on was the academics. And there's so many kids that don't get to play at the next level because they didn't have the right grades and the academics in order. Right, right. Now to piggyback off of that, what advice do you have for, for kids who, let's say have no chance to play on that level? I guess is that's the, to bring that question back around again. Um, you well, know, I, think I, don't, I don't like to kill kids' dreams. I always want them to chase their dreams. But, like, at, one, at what point should athletes start understanding, like, okay, it's a possibility that I might not play college ball, so I need to figure out something else. Because, I, you know, a lot of kids are sitting here waiting on that scholarship for senior year when they could have applied to five schools junior year and then at least had that backup plan if the scholarship didn't come through. Well, I think all young players, they, they have that come to Jesus moment sometime in their life as far as understanding that they're not going to play at the next level. I think for the majority of kids, they, we have to start putting the fun back in the game. Mm -hmm. The reason why you played come, when you was growing up, when you were young, you probably didn't think about you know college. You right. played basketball because it was fun and right. you enjoyed it. And I think that's the component that we're missing we're not making it fun for a lot of these kids anymore. We're yeah. making it too serious. We're making it like it's an all business that the only reason you're playing is to go to college. Right. That's not the only reason why you should be playing. It should be for the love of the game. Also the companionships, the friendships that you make along the way, you right. make a lifetime of friends by playing, you know, high school basketball. And I'm going to tell you what, you know, I'm, I'm 64 years old and I can remember this day all the great times I had when I was in high school playing basketball, those memories last a lifetime. Right. And I think that's the thing that we have to instill in a lot of these players that even if you don't make it, you know, you can go to college, get you an education. You can play on the intramural team, enjoy it, have fun with it. Right. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with it because it's difficult. I don't think people understand how difficult it is to get a scholarship at any level. It's tough. And I, and I guess this kind of like my big point is, like you said, you can play intramurals and go get an education, but they can, any kid can be Rick Lewis and start a phenom. You know what I mean? Like if there's, there's different ways to be around what you love, if you don't, you know, go play division one, division two, division three. And I think that's like a lot of kids just go into a whole uh, mental depression when they, you know, when they're done with high school and they just don't know what to do with their lives, but it's just like, you know, I don't know how to pull that other passion out of them or if they, or, or, or just give them advice. Obviously I'm doing it from my perspective because I have a deep uh, relationship with each one of my kids, you know, and I, and I kind of, I'm kind of honest with them. Like, okay, you might want to, you might, what else are you passionate about? Cause you know, I've already been there, you know what I mean? So I, I know what college coaches are looking for. Like you said, you, JV, you know what I mean? Like right. you're playing JV, it's good, but you're 5'11". Hey, it's a lot of guys in your class that are playing varsity that are 6'5". Not unless you grow like Anthony Davis, it's not likely that you're going to go play at Duke, you know? So you right. might even start thinking about applying for colleges. But I think as a total, you know, between 
trainers, coaches, and parents, we have to do a better job of, of, of being honest with kids and letting them know that there's other pathways as well. Well, and also, you know, the, the game of basketball, as you well know, there's a lot of ups and downs. And I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from it. And, you know, the amount of hard work that it gets to, that takes you to get to a certain level. Right. You can carry that same work ethic to later on in life. I'm, I'm gonna give you a good example. Um, you know, I have two sons, Colby and Tyler. Right. Um, Colby wasn't as talented and gifted as Tyler, but Colby was six two, he could really shoot it. He was a type of player that he worked as hard as anyone, okay? When, when you said, okay, run a suicide, run a wind sprint, he was a kid that touched the line every single time and came in first. Right. Okay? Now, the work ethic he had in high school to get to college, because his goal was, I want to get a Division I scholarship. He, walked, he went to Charlotte as an invited walk-on. Mm -hmm. His goal was different from a lot of other kids. He just wanted to have an opportunity to say, I got a scholarship. Right. And he worked hard to get that scholarship, and he got it his sophomore year. Right. There's a lot of young players that can take that lesson right there. Right. You work hard and you carry that work ethic that you have in basketball and you carry it on into other facets in life. Right. And as you well know, um, no matter how good you are, that basketball is going to stop bouncing one day yeah, yeah. and you can take what you've learned and apply it in life. And a lot of young kids could be another Jeremy Jeffers. You know, for example, you've taken what you've learned as a basketball player you was a very successful player at the high school level. Uh, you was a successful player at the collegiate level. Now you can take all the lessons you've learned, and now you can apply it to young men that, that want to do the same thing that you did. And right. what better person to help those kids along than someone like yourself? All right. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So last question, man, and I'll let you go. What is the uh, – I know you you probably can't give me too much, but what's the long-term vision? Um, you've hired your sons. I love that that's a family legacy now that they've come in under uh, Phenom, Kobe, and Tyler. Uh, for everybody who doesn't know, Tyler and I played on the same AU team under Coach Rick uh, with the Carolina flight. What would we finish in the country? I think we finished that year. We finished, um, matter of fact, we played twice, don't you remember? We went down to the Nationals, and I think we finished fifth one time and eighth at, in yeah. the country. Yeah, um, we had a tremendous team back then. But it you know what, Jeremy? Wasn't it fun? It was. It, it was. was fun. We, like you said, you weren't even thinking about. Obviously, the recruiting was in the back of your mind, but I mean, it was just about going and and having fun. I, I tell the story. I, you remember the game we played, Austin Rivers? Yeah. I was shaking in my boots that game. I had never, <laughs> never, every college coach that I've ever looked up to was sitting. I mean, Coach K, Paul Hewitt, Roy Williams, everybody was just lined up around. I was like, oh, my God, this is it. But it, it's just, like you said, those memories that, you, that you'll never get back. I didn't even know Anthony Gill is on the Wizards now. Right. So, um, but it's good. But it's good. But anyway, to get at this, going back to the question, what is the long-term vision for Phenom? Um, what exciting things can you give me um, as far as the, where the company's headed? Well, you know, um, naturally, um, my years is winding down. Um, you know, I want to probably get out of it sooner than later. And um, I'm fortunate. It's sort of a life dream for me to have my sons, to, you know, come on board and take over the business. So it will be a family business with um, Colby and Tyler at the helm. 
Um, I think both of them um, offer so much to the to the business. Um, Colby is um, the most conscientious, well organized, um, and caring person you'll ever meet. And Tyler has that you know personality. But you can see what they're doing already. Like they've been on board, and you know you know you know Tyler went to an open gym and he finished the open gym and he went over and covered a game. Um, same thing for Colby. Colby went down and scouted a team for open gym and they caught the high school game. So they're out and about trying to meet all the high school coaches, meet the travel ball coaches. Right. Um, you know, with our platform, Jeremy, you know, we try to provide a service to a lot of young players. The, the best thing about what we do is the Phenom platform with our website. Uh, it's a free website. I mean, we don't make any money off of it. That's our business model. Um, and we go out and we pr provide a lot of content uh, on players. And that content is read heavily by college coaches. Right. So, you know, we want to provide a platform so kids could get their name out there as much as possible, whether it's a D1, D2, D3. And here's the thing, as a college coach, you're looking at players and the more you see a kid's name, you're sooner or later, you're going to start asking about that. If, if I'm writing about Jeremy Jeffers every other week and he's having these great games and I'm writing these articles, sooner or later, those college coaches are going to read those articles and right. they're going to call me up or call your high school coach and say, hey, I've been reading about Jeremy Jeffers is having a really good season. You know, maybe send me some film or I need to come watch him play. Mm -hmm. um, I think for us personally, um, I think the platform we have is really good. I think that the challenge for us, we're, I'm the type of person, I want to get better. Um, right. When we do a, a, a camp or at a tournament, whether it's Scholastic or a club team, the first thing I ask is what can we do to make it better? Right. And I think as we move into 2021, our goal is to provide organized and professional events that provide a great platform for as many young players as possible. Right. And I think that's our short-term and long-term goal is just have that platform. And to me, there's no greatest satisfaction of helping a young player get their name out there. Right. They're the ones that earn the scholarship, not us. And, but I think we are a good platform for a lot of players to get their name out there. And, you know, like for example, every spring um, we do a segment called, you know, unsigned senior spotlight. Um, we go through our listing of the top, 150 players in the state. And we look at each one who hasn't signed and we do an unsigned senior spotlight and we'll do that article. And those articles are some of the most read articles because a lot of the college coaches out there at every level, whether it's D1, D2, D3 are reading those articles about unsigned seniors. And, and you asked earlier about, about college coaching, as far as recruiting D1s get kids earlier. Right now, D2s wait a little bit longer because a lot of kids will filter down or fall through the cracks from D1 right. down to D2. So, you know, a lot of times at the D2 and D3 level, recruiting takes later. Right uh, now, my advice to a lot of young players today is if you're a senior and you're being recruited and you have a firm offer, and those guys have been showing you a lot of love and a lot of interest. You need to go ahead and commit if that's the right fit for you academically and athletically. 
100%. because what happens and you've seen it, Jeremy, mm-hmm. how many times you've seen kids get an, a really good offer and they're waiting on something bigger. Right. And the young players and parents don't understand those offers aren't you know, longstanding. Right. Maybe shelf life to that offer. Right. So if you have player A who at the beginning of his senior year gets an offer and they're recruiting a point guard, well, they're recruiting five other point guards. Of course. So whoever commits first, you, they might have a – each college may have a ranking like one through five. This is my first choice, second, and third. I've seen the boards. <laughs> You've seen the board. So you, you know how that works. So, you know, I would tell people to, you know, commit – to a school that's showing you love that really wants and needs you then chasing something that's not out there. 100%. 100%. Don't chase the highest offer. I feel like this was very informational coach. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day um, to, to sit down and have a conversation with me. It's all love as always. I appreciate well, you. Thank coach. you, Jeremy. And, and best of luck to you too. Thanks coach.